Hey guys, welcome to the Skeptic Disciple Podcast, where we ask the difficult questions. Um, just uh, a heads up, um, if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or any of the platforms that you're listening to us on. Uh, we would greatly appreciate it, and it would help people find us. Um, also, um, just letting you all know that we are on Instagram at Skeptic Disciple. We're also on Twitter at Disciple Skeptic. Someone had already taken Skeptic Disciple as a handle. And you know what? They're not even using it. Ugh. But anyway, uh, welcome back. Uh, this episode is a little bit different because um, I'm the one that doesn't like the story. And Brian does. Here we go. Do you ever read the Bible and think... That is outrageous. Yeah, that's the skeptic part of you. And do you ever read the Bible after reading something outrageous and having your eyes open to what it means and realizing, man, this God is something else? If so, welcome to the Skeptic Disciple podcast, where we ask the difficult questions and we struggle with scripture to find the answers. Okay, so welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are continuing our reading our story through the uh, story of both Abraham and Sarah uh, that we started a few weeks ago. It's been a little bit since we've we've uh, we've recorded, um, but honestly, I feel like it's just because Abraham and Sarah and Isaac. Um, there's just like there's just so much story there to to go over. So. Um, it just took us a little bit to focus, but we want to recap a little bit on the story of Genesis, what's happening up to this point. We talked about the story of the Tower of Babel, um, a few weeks ago, and we mentioned the, we compared and contrasted essentially the building of the city, uh, and the tower, uh, that, that, that Nimrod and his people and his kingdom, had decided that they wanted to build, uh, which is when you know God confuses the languages and sends people everywhere. Uh, but then he finds Abram, and he calls Abram out uh, to make him a great nation, and to so that Abram and his family and nation might be a blessing to all the families of Earth. That's that's the biggest contrast between those two stories. And um, Brian, I don't know if you have anything else to add to that one. Just, just in the background of what's happened up to this point. Well, one thing to make note of is the people that were constructing the tower were many. They were a, a giant multitude of people, whereas Abram at this point is like an old dude and and his wife, you know. Yeah. Um, and they have no kids. There's no family. Yeah. But but there's this promise, right? So it's mm -hmm. like. He's literally hanging on by by just words. He has nothing to to go by other than a promise. And yeah, that's, that's worth noting too. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that in the last episode about how Abram trusted God on his promise, um, even though there was no there was no like specific uh, proof of it. Right at the beginning, so. So that leads us essentially to this this promise of him having many children, 
and if we know Abram's story, there's there's a part where God tells them, you know, your children are going to be as many as the stars in the sky and as many as the the grains of sand on the, you know on the shore. Um, but he has no children uh, yet, and he's promised to, that he will have a a a child, and he has a he has a son. His name is Isaac. Sarah gets pregnant, and they have this this child, and and basically. He is the child on which all this promise rides, essentially. Uh, but chapter 22, and and so I'm just going to go ahead and read it. It says, uh, after these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, son. He said, The the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for Now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then, oh yeah, but the... Then the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice." So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Um, And that's the end of that story. Yeah. So it's just, I don't, okay, like, (laughs) I I don't like this story. Uh, I feel like I don't like this story probably as much as um, you didn't like Noah. But right. I don't I don't know if that's probably know. especially as a father. Yeah, I this story bugged me even before I was a father. I think that the the 
the problem is like why why is God asking him to do this? Right. And and I don't yeah. And I don't and when think I, you're alone. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I mean and I guess that's why we're talking about it. It it's it's kind of these one of these stories where it's like it doesn't make sense, like why would God do that? I don't know if I believe it. And I especially Sorry, it's just especially it, it wasn't like he had a dream. It it says that God like spoke to him. Yeah. It's very clear, right? Like yeah. it's a very clear command, do this. I'm yeah. like you're being tested, yeah. Yeah. And it seems like the request itself is contradictory to to what God has wanted this whole time, to what he wants in the future, to the message of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. So I understand like the hardship people have with this and i i think i struggled with this for a while as well because truth be told if i'm honest when i when i first read this story for myself and i was attending church i knew in my heart like i need to make peace with this story because i don't want to worship a killer i yeah. don't want to worship a guy who asks for the death of children I just, I just don't. I didn't. Right. And I still don't. If I'm honest. So how do you, how did you move past that? Because that's the biggest, like, I think that's the biggest challenge in this story. I think the real challenge with this story comes with the fact that you can't, you can't isolate this story and have it make sense as a singular tale. This kind of requires understanding of what led us here and what comes after. And, and, that, and that takes patience. And, like, let's start off in, in the beginning again, right? Like, what is religion at this time? And you get the people of this day and age, and they're very accustomed to the concept of, of gods already. Yeah. And what that means. And we've talked about this before. Gods of the era were violent. They were malevolent, they were scary, and they were tribal. Yeah. It's like it's like gods were picking NFL teams and backing them up, you know? And <laughs> if you had a tribe if you had a tribe, like you had a certain god and if the harvest was good or the harvest was bad or it rained or it didn't rain, or you got pillaged or your the women were raped, you attributed it all to I must have upset the gods or I, I displeased them. Or more specifically, I I didn't give them what they wanted. And typically people would make offerings, right? Offerings and sacrifices. And that, that could be goats or sheep or time and prayer. But either way, it one of two things happens with with this ancient religion. And that's you have a bad year. And so you think to yourself, I didn't offer enough or my hmm. offering wasn't good enough. Like I'm not good enough. I need to give more. Which is a direct reflection of what you've done. Yeah. Or even worse, even worse, it goes really well. Everything goes perfect and you think I have to keep giving. Like I have in to order give. in order yeah. for this to continue. Yeah. I yeah, I I see that. I think it it it's also this mentality that both good and bad come from God or from yeah, a God, it is. right? It like is. if, if, if you're being, if you have like blessings and things are going well, it's because like you've probably been very, you know, devout and you've given the gods what they've asked for. 
And if things are going really bad, it's because you haven't met the gods' um, yes. requests or requirements for. And, in order and it's for, usually, it's usually this thinking that comes in terms of, uh, am I giving enough, and am I am I meeting the quota? Got it. Am I good enough? It's it's a, it's a transactional relationship with. It is transactional. The gods. And and what's like what's the most you could possibly give to the gods? Like this is where child sacrifice comes in. Hmm. It's it's the most you can give. Okay. okay. So at at great heartache, somewhere in history, this became accepted. And I don't know if I want to say normal, but enough to where we're very aware of it. God's very aware of it. Abraham is very aware of that. And when God calls Abraham and he says, hey, I'm going to make something new. I'm going to build a tribe to bless all other tribes. That itself is new. Because, first of all, the primary purpose of a tribe is to defend against other tribes. When you use the word tribal, the, the connotation, the rhetoric that comes with the word tribal is us versus them. Yeah, that's so, so, true. To, so to say your tribe is going to bless all other tribes is very counterintuitive. Yeah, it's a uh, counter... That's, it's not what you would expect. That's the first piece of this that that signifies to the audience of the time this is this is weird there's something weird happening yeah regardless when he calls abraham and says hey um go kill your son for me abraham abraham is like uh sure we don't see any sign of conflict in abraham he gets up and he goes he just takes him we know we know already from reading the story that he loves this boy like he's been waiting for him and this boy was promised to him and he loves him it's his son yeah but he he doesn't seem to flinch hmm. and part of this part of this we have to consider the fact that abraham i'm sure was very familiar with religion okay abraham might seem like he's like super faithful and and strong but you have to understand that to Abraham, having a god call down upon men and having a god ask for sacrifice is not weird. Right. He's like, yeah, that's that's what the gods do. I guess this is this is what mine does too, you know? Like, okay. And so they they go. It takes three days to get to the place. So I'm sure, like, he this guy has three days to think about this. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I want to kind of like just sit on that for a little bit. He's got three days to turn around and say, you know what? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Hmm. But he goes three days and he even has like dudes with him, like two other dudes, I guess. Yeah. And they get there. And this is what's interesting to me. He tells the guys, hey, wait down here. I'm going to go with my son up the mountain and we're going to worship and then we're going to come back. Here's the thing. At that point in the story, I have to I have to entertain one of two ideas. Either he's lying to those men, just saying, "Hey, we're going to come back." Or he believes it and he genuinely believes, "No, we're we're coming back. We're going to go up to sacrifice my son, but we're walking back down." Hmm. And I have come to believe the latter. Okay. I truly believe that the test that Abraham endured was something he was kind of in on because he had so much faith in the promise that was given to him that he knew 
deep inside he knew without a doubt he's yeah. like whatever whatever happens up here isaac's gonna be okay because god promised it and i truly believe that in abraham well it's not so much a belief i think it's in okay check this out it's in hebrews 11 hebrews 11 yeah hebrews 11 yeah. you know what i'm talking about right yeah yeah uh, abraham uh believed the lord and and the lord counted to him as righteousness oh not just that hebrews eleven nineteen. okay i saved it okay it says abraham reasoned that god could even raise the dead ah and so in a manner of speaking he did receive isaac back from death okay so in hebrews we have this explanation that abraham seemed to think I'm going to go sacrifice my son, but this God could resurrect him from the dead. I think that's an interesting statement by the author of Hebrews. It is. Which, which by the way, is uh, believed to not have been written by Paul or by anyone who was a Hebrew, but rather that it was possibly uh, written by Gentile believers who were writing to the uh, Jewish Christians in uh, in Jerusalem and and, and you know in that Judean area? The interesting part is that uh, when you look at the at the Hebrew religion and their thoughts about what happens when you die, um, they don't believe or like it was hotly contested whether or not resurrection was a thing. And the thought of an afterlife in the Hebrew scriptures does not come in until Daniel. Right. And Daniel is is is, uh, is believed to be one of the latest uh, books written in the Hebrew Bible. And so it's it's I I like I like that reason. I, I like what he what what they're saying about Abraham believing that um, that God could resurrect Isaac. But I do think that it's almost like uh, looking back at the story, applying new beliefs about what what were possibilities. I understand I, that. I, I I actually and no, I, I get it, and I and I I I like what it says. Um, but I think I don't even know. That's like looking back, you know. Like we don't actually know if Abraham really believe that but it does seem like abraham doesn't believe that isaac is going to die yeah i don't know I, what he believed i think that's the I, point but i do believe that whatever whatever he imagined didn't end with his son dying whether it was resurrection or whatever i do yeah. genuinely believe that when he told those men were coming back down he believed it it's uh, okay so so that 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 makes sense to me. The, the, what what's weird though is is we have a God who will promise uh, this. He promises this this son, and then this same God still asks Abraham Abraham to to sacrifice this son. Right. And so what is strange to me is that. You know, okay, let's say that God did not intend to, you know, have Isaac die on that mm -hmm. mountain, which it appears that that was not the intention. 
Right. It's still a god that seems to almost mislead someone. Mm-hmm. Into, you, do you know what I'm saying? But it's not, because like, I think they were both in on it. Abraham knew his son wouldn't die, and so did God. So I then, think they both trusted each other. So then why do it? Yeah. I think well, it I think it was for show. It was a think? little bit of it was a little bit of theater. And it's not completely unheard of because I think there have been a lot of prophets throughout the Bible and we'll get we'll get to them right. that that have like a sort of miniature reenactment yeah of bigger things that happen when Jesus is here. I'm thinking about Hosea. Exactly. Hosea had to marry a, a prostitute and endure that marriage as a form of like almost a theatrical play of like, hey, this is what it's like when, you know, when Jesus marries the church and the church like essentially sleeps around the world. Um, yeah. Well, yes. Okay. I mean, I have my I have my own uh, issues with the Hosea story to begin with. Yeah, but yeah, I know. But I, know. But I understand but we'll, what you're we'll saying. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but but this thing here's the thing, and I understand. Like, yeah. why not just say it? Why have why go through a three day journey and act it out? Why yeah. go through the motions? Yeah. Right? Why why but why I do go through that? Here's the thing, it's not for Abraham. Okay. I think Abraham knows. Okay. I think I think the audience at the time. Like even mm. if even if you pretend like you don't believe in God, even, even even if like it means nothing to you, uh-huh. like even if you think the Bible was written by human beings, so yes, like just yes. written by people, uh-huh. why did they save this story? Why does this yeah. story matter? Yes, and here here's why. Here's why. This this wouldn't have been passed down if it was just words spoken from God to Abraham. Uh-huh. This story, like imagine. Imagine you're one of these people that has religion. Yeah. And you're used to this. You're used to this madness of sacrificing to the gods and feeling like it's never freaking good enough. Yeah. You hear the story and it goes through the motions and it goes through the story beats and you know it. It's familiar in your heart. You're like, yeah, that's how it goes. You you get a, a god. He loves you. He does good for you. And then he says, sacrifice your son. And then you go and you lose your son, man. I know this story. So so pretend you're here, you're religious, you're in church, whatever. They don't, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Here's the story. The guy goes up. He takes his son. He's about to kill his son. And then God says, stop. And says, you know what? I'll provide the sacrifice. Hmm. That is absolutely mind-blowing to the audience. Yeah, because it's like, what am I supposed to sacrifice? Like, I came here to worship you, and part of worship is sacrificing something that I have for you. But I come here to worship you now, and you're like, actually, no, I'm the one sacrificing something. Yeah. In the in the it's, act of worshiping me. And here's the thing. God could have told Abraham, hey, I don't need you to sacrifice your son. But that is not nearly as powerful as saying, as going that extra step. And saying, I'll provide the sacrifice. Dude, yeah, that's like, uh, that's so upside down and backwards. It is. And the thing is, this story is bothersome because we're looking at it as 21st century human beings who <laughs> don't do any of this. Like, this does this. 
like that part, the ending is not what we have trouble with. The problem we have is with the request, right? Yeah, yeah. You're arguing that this story, uh, this story has a function to teach us something about God. Yes. And it, which is consistent with the earlier story where God is creating a nation that will be a blessing to all people. Yes. Which is already like upside down. Um, so when, yeah, when all these other tribes hear this story, it's, it's insane. Like, I can't imagine what that's like. Yeah, like you, you, like, uh, you know, that my God would never do that. And I think it's important that this is a story where you show and you don't tell. I think you're right. I think I think showing it mattered. Yeah, it's like when you tell a parable instead of telling someone straight up. Yeah. You you just you tell them the story and you let the point sink in. Yeah. I think that makes I think that makes a lot of sense because and it's, yeah. And you know, it's also the thing about showing it too, Henry, is it's like it's also this way of mirroring things back to the culture, to the people at the time. It's like here, I need to walk you through the motions and have you visualize this story and look at it because I need you to see exactly what's wrong with your religion. Yeah. I need you to really see like how messed up what you have found normal is right now. Yeah. That makes and sense. The, the only way to do that is by doing something, this sounds weird, but by doing something good in the middle of your, of this, like, evil act that you yourselves have created. Like, no god, like, like, according to our beliefs, no other god has actually, like, existed and asked for sacrifice. Humans have made this up, right? Yes. Um, so he has to step in and like, you know what? Let's walk through this. Let's walk <laughs> through your logic and what you're doing. Yeah. And then I'm going to stop you right in the middle of it and introduce something good. It's like he's hijacking the narrative. He is. And then, and then telling, telling it upside down. And that's, and that's the crux of it. Like that's, that's the center of it all. Cause so, he needs to show yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just looking at it. I'm, I'm thinking about I'm, t- I'm thinking about uh, Babel as well, where, you know, like he's he's essentially taking the similar concept of like a nation, but turning it on its head. Right. It's what he's doing with this story. Yeah. And I think I think it's what he continues, what God continues to do throughout history. Mm. Like. This this nation the up this nation that's completely different everything is just thinking of it in light of the New Testament or you know the Gospels and thinking of the kingdom of God and the way that it's presented by Jesus as being sort of this upside down kingdom it's it's essentially the same kind of thinking it's the same sort of concept yeah it just it just continues on it it doesn't yeah. it doesn't end so it's like I feel like we need to consider that anytime we're reading anything in the scriptures because it's it's kind of this struggle between the way of of people and the way of god right and i i think i think it i think it's interesting i think one thing i picked up is that the mount 
that God asks him to go to to worship is Mount Moriah. Mm-hmm. And in Second Chronicles, Second uh, Chronicles chapter three, uh, Mount Moriah is identified as the location in Jerusalem where the temple is built. Oh. I mean, I think if you go to Jerusalem, there's there's an actual like place. There's a there's like a, a temple or a shrine or mosque or something where the location that they believe that Abraham went up to worship the Lord and and he was asked to sacrifice Isaac. Um, so like I had heard of that place and I just thought like, oh, it's just like it's just kind of made up, you know, like mm. how do they really know? But it's Mount Moriah like that's it. It, it continues to be called the same thing. And sure. like it has a specific location. Mm. But, okay, so I, I totally, I guess I feel a lot better about this story after this conversation. <laughs> here's, uh, but here's here's the other part I want to really add to this. Okay. Because in modern in modern times, you hear one of two things with a lot of Christians when talking about this story. You hear the people in church who are kind of skeptical and bothered by this story. And, you know, they naturally question, why would God ask this? Why would he ask? Why? Mm-hmm. This is, this is horrid. Like, I can't, I can't be on board with this. And that would be me. This, this, some even to the point where they're like, this is why I can't believe, or this is why I can't be Christian. Right. How do you resolve? How do you, how is there congruence between Jesus Christ and this and this God? How is there like how does this add up? This is conflicting <laughs> evidence, you know, like what what's going on? And then you have and here's the thing, I I, I want to get back to that group later, but then you have the other group who and this bothers me. Um they say things like I pray that if I were ever tested like Abraham that I would have the same kind of conviction and resolve he had to go through with such a request. Yeah. And they say it, they say it believing that it would be good for them to sacrifice their offspring because they love the Lord more. Because yeah. that's how they that's how they understand the story. Yeah, I've genu- I've genuinely heard people say I I hope that if I'm ever tested like that, that I would go through with it. Hmm. And I, I would like to say, uh, how do I say this without being? <laughs> you know what uh, that makes me think of? You know what it makes me yeah. think of? Yeah. It makes me think of like, uh, and you know, you might have your own experience on this, but like, let's say like there's a relationship, like two people are dating and one person is Christian and the other person is not. Mm-hmm. And then and then they break up with you and they're like, oh, it's because like it's because I'm choosing my faith over you. Mm. Or it's because I'm choosing like I felt like this was a test and like they yeah. use God as an excuse to break up with you. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I think that happens sometimes. And I, I think it's sort of like this, like I should be willing to sacrifice anything for God, mm. even when it comes to people. Like we're not sacrificing, yeah. like we're not actually like no, murdering we anybody, do. but we we're do sacrificing people. people. We absolutely do. We turn our backs on them. We right. say like that has nothing to do with our church. It has nothing to do with me. Like so, yeah. we shouldn't be involved in that. Ooh, man. 
I didn't we expect it to turn this way. <laughs> we do it all the time. Yeah. And here's here's the thing. When you pray and you think to yourself, I hope I have the kind of resolve and conviction Abraham has yeah. to like turn my back on my own son, you are still a member of the old religion. Mm. You are still a member of Nimrod's crew building up the Tower of Babel, thinking like Babel, mm. thinking I'm going up to heaven. You know what this reminds me of? What? This reminds me of stories that I've heard from gay individuals, mm-hmm. men or women, whose parents have disowned them because they see them as yes. uh, sinful. Absolutely. And they don't want anything to do with them. And they're just like, you know, it, it's a form of sacrificing your children Absolutely. for sake of being pious or for sake of, you know, whatever your understanding of God is. Absolutely. And I would say to those people, uh, I, I kind of want to, well, I, I would say a lot of mean things, but... <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Well, well, here's the here's the thing. God doesn't doesn't uh, say a lot of mean things. Uh, if if we're taking his argument that the story is meant to show other cultures yeah. like our God is different, God isn't saying a bunch of mean things about these other gods. And instead, God is just showing them a different yes. way. And here's the thing. Here's the here's here's the thing. Abraham knew God. He knew God. Yeah. He knew my son will not die. Because God is not evil. And because he gave me a promise and he's going to... I'm going up that mountain and I'm coming back down with my son. Because I know this guy. Yeah. And he's going to keep his promise. That's why Abraham was chosen. Hmm. It wasn't because he's willing to kill his freaking son. Like It's Hmm. it's, it's not because Abraham's such a good murderer. It's because Abraham saw past everything. He saw... saw through to God's character and was like, you know what? I trust this guy. Mm. Like he's not, he's not going to do this. And he was right. And that's why he was blessed. And that's why everyone else is blessed through him. But the moment you think I'm passing the test because I'm turning my back on these people because I'm doing this and God's happy with it and screw these people and blah, 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 blah. Like you are not partaking in this new covenant that's being established here on that mountain. You have failed the test of seeing character. You're you're so focused on the action of what happened there that you're not seeing, like, the underlayer. Yeah. And and to all those other people who read the story and think, no, no, I don't care if God asked for that. I'm not going to do it. I would say, congratulations. Exactly. That's exactly the point. Um, You're you're almost there. He doesn't want that. And those kind of actions should be despicable to you. And they are to him as well. What do you make of this uh, verse 12 where, or 11 and 12, where, you know, Abraham reaches for the knife. He's about to kill Isaac. And then the angel of the Lord stops him, right? He says, Abraham, Abraham. And he's like, you know, here I am basically like, you know, what's going on? And he says, the angel says, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know... For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Mm-hmm. What do you make of this fear of God? Like, 
the phrase like, fear of God is used throughout the Bible um, in several places. It seems to be pretty interchangeable with like loving God for the most part. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you even see it in the New Testament. It's like, you know, like fear your God. But I've never understood it as like, you know, the way you fear, um, I don't know. A yeah. car hitting you, you know, yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> like you're afraid of him. You're yeah. doing it out of fear, you know. You're doing it think, out of. I think the connotation biblically when they talk about fearing God is more like have like respect and you know some kind of like. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that might that might deserve its own you know spinoff episode after this. Yeah, but, but basically it's like now I know that you like you have this. Uh, you have this relationship with God where you where you trust Him, yeah. Or you trust what you what He's said and what He's promised, yeah. Enough to know that like God, like whatever happens right now, is like there's something off, you know. Like God is not going. It, if God's asking you to do this, but He's also promised you that you will that your son will be will continue on and to become a great nation, then. It, it almost it's like illogical to think that your son will die but right. that only comes with trusting this person yeah and i guess that's different right that that'd be different like if i know someone and they ask me to do things or, or to do this mm-hmm. um is different than than if i don't know the person exactly because then i don't know how they're going to act they, i don't i don't know what their intentions are exactly but if you came to me and you said that I would be like, okay, like I know you want me to do this and go through this, but I don't, I still don't believe that this is really what you want, mm. because I know you and you wouldn't do that. Yeah, and Abraham also didn't know how it was going to happen, but yeah. he knew it was going to happen. And I think Abraham, even let's say, even if Abraham was expecting his son to be raised from the dead, um, yeah. which is which is radical thinking. Um, what actually happened, I think, was more radical. You know, I think, I honestly believe that God providing the sacrifice is a bigger ordeal than if God had resurrected Isaac. Because it's like, no, no, no one needs to die. Like, none of you need to die, except for what I'm about to provide. And, And, you know, in in case this isn't clear, this is a huge uh, prophecy leading to, to Jesus Christ. I mean, here you have Isaac carrying wood on his back, going up a mountain to his death. Um, <laughs> he's, you know, he's literally conveying Jesus, and the Father is escorting him the whole way. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you call it prophecy. I, I'd call it foreshadowing, but still, sure. it I works mean, with both. <laughs> it, it works. I mean, in the Christian, I call it theatrical prophecy. A theatrical <laughs> prophecy. Literary, literary foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So I mean, in, in the Christian world, we we look at this story and we automatically say, "Oh, this is an example, or this is a foreshadowing or prophecy about the way that Jesus would uh, replace us in experiencing death for for us." That God was like, "None of you need to." essentially be lost forever you know john three sixteen. for god so loved the world that he gave his only son uh so that whoever believes in him 
will not perish but have eternal life and it's like this is it this is happening right here at a smaller scale mm-hmm. but still someone is being replaced and god is still providing the sacrifice and uh and this will lead into you know discussions about the you know the idea of uh, atonement and and jesus being sacrificed yeah. which you know can also be problematic for some people to understand it that way uh just this idea that god required that you know someone died and sent jesus anyway but um but it is central to the christian uh, the christian thinking and theology so that's also important because that's also upside down. It's this idea that, you know, God provides what is needed for us to be on on good ground with him, essentially, to redeem us mm-hmm. and to restore us. So, yeah, I think, uh, man, I, I do think we sacrifice people all the time. Uh, and that's in a you know that's in a little bit more of an analogy to be honest, but uh, we tend to we tend to do this thing too. Maybe not so much religiously. Well, actually, no, it's still tied to religion because we're still here's, trying here's to do thing. something correctly. Yeah, here's the thing about sacrifice too. We're going back to this concept. Like so much, so much was actually sacrificed on that mountain about about how people are to believe about religion. Yeah, think about right. And yeah, it's like. It's like I want you to forget about not being good enough, and, yeah, and never giving enough. That's true. That's not true. only that, but here I'll give, and that's that's the new nation. Like that's essentially the nation he's building. Yeah, for sure. In that little intimate story, he's showing this man like this is what the new country is gonna look like. It shows it shows God's grace to me do you know what i mean yeah like like this is what it is it's grace it's it's like scandalous grace it's like scandalous that god would not require you to sacrifice something and instead god would actually provide whatever it needs to be sacrificed in in this story it's Mm -hmm. almost like and i think later in the prophets you know god's like i'm not actually pleased with sacrifice yeah like with these these sacrifices like this is like you going through the motions of, of things but but that's not actually what I want. You yeah. know what I what I want is a like a transformed heart or a contrite spirit. Yeah. Uh, that's and, and what God know, wants. That that comes later. Baby steps, right? Um, yeah. Again, I want to reiterate that. Okay, God, not killing a kid. Yeah, that doesn't seem radical today. Right. But you yeah. have to understand where these people were coming from. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. Well. That um that really puts the story into perspective for me, in light of all the others. And honestly, I think I've struggled with it. And here's what happens with me most of the time: I come to a story and I'm just like, man, that sounds ridiculous and it's nonsense. And I just need to get down and and kind of struggle with it and kind of, you know, read it in context with like the rest of the narrative and what God's trying to do. Uh, and I think oftentimes we tend to just take a story out and just look at it by itself. Yeah. And I think it's something that you picked up on, like, just like we have to look at this in light of, you know, what's happened before. Because there's like compare and contrast. God is teaching people uh, something about himself throughout this. And like we said, it's progressive. So like we start with, you know, 
uh, I don't actually require things I'm providing for you. And my worship doesn't require this child sacrifice and it doesn't require later on like it's you know it's not about the animals that you're sacrificing it's about where your spirit and heart are and like where is your um where is your heart and where is your mind and and it and it develops and evolves into this thing where in the new testament it says you know like uh, or you jesus himself like you know there, there will come a time where people won't you know worship here or there when he's talking to the samaritan woman uh, at the well and and he's like, you know, there'll come a time where where all who worship will worship in spirit and in truth. And it's not even like tied to a, a physical location or to a physical sacrifice, but it's actually like an internal thing that happens yeah. hearts and minds that that then becomes, you know, it has it has physical effects, but it's no longer this this thing. So it's like God is continuing to show us more and more as time goes on. And I think that's important to look at because when we don't think of it that way, then we think of it in a way that you mentioned where people are like, no, I have to be willing to sacrifice anything for God. Um, and and it becomes this thing where we really do still act like, you know, both good and bad come from God. And mm. if we, and if we don't do something, God's going to punish us for, for, for not yeah. sacrificing something. Um. So also, yeah, I think I think that's important. Also, the tribal thinking like has to change because the moment I want to I want to also point this out like when you're in a church and you think my church, my denomination, whatever has this figured out, we're God's people, we're the ones, or or my country, or my political party, you're thinking tribal pre-abraham yeah that yeah that needs to go yeah like Obviously. when he says this tribe i'm building is to bless all of the tribes you have to really ask yourself is are my tribal affiliations out here to bless all other tribes or or am i here to like show superiority to other tribes and in the spiritual sense is this church meant to bless only those who walk into it or is it meant to bless all those who live in this community mm. or is this jesus meant to bless only christians mm. or is this jesus meant to bless people of all religions mm. is this sacrifice just for the son of promise or the you know the physical uh, children that live in this kingdom or is a sacrifice a replacement for all those who maybe don't even know of this god yeah i think that is really where it's headed by saying you will be a blessing to all nations yeah i think i think at this point abraham has no idea how huge this is yet <laughs> you know yeah, likely not. Likely he's yeah. just like, I don't know why you did that, but you know, we went through <laughs> with it and that's cool. You provided something and Isaac learned something yeah. about you and <laughs> and now we can go home and celebrate and uh and kick it and maybe throw a party, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah, I, I totally get that. It's like sometimes we don't realize what's happening in these stories. Mm-hmm. But uh but that's a that's a great that's a great end to this to this story. This so. story is where honestly the kingdom starts taking shape hmm. like 
this is where everything starts. That's this uh. Is, this is where like God puts his foot down and says like this is what I'm gonna make. Mm. All right, I like that. Okay, so this is our kind of segue. <laughs> I like I like what you put I like what you put out there, um, that you know this idea that God had promised, and so if God asks for His Son, then you know there there must be still a way that this promise is going to happen. So he you know he shows up and and he does what he what he does, um, but like okay so seeing that seeing this story and then thinking about the story those two stories where Abraham shows up to a foreign kingdom and uh, decides to say that Sarah is not his wife, but his sister Uh because he's afraid that uh, they will kill him in order to make Sarah their wife. Uh Um, I don't see the same type of, the same type of uh, belief, Uh you know, Uh like, I am going to give you, I, I'm going to make you a, a, a great nation and I, you know, you will have children and, and they will become a nation and they will become a blessing to all people. But then when I show up with my wife uh, to a foreign kingdom, I don't call her my wife because I'm afraid they're going to kill me. Mm. And so I see a failure of faith then. Why? Why is it? Why is it that he seems to not believe God's promise when it comes to Sarah, but he does believe it when it comes to Isaac? You might be right. It might be a, fa- uh, a failure of faith. And you have to remember, like this guy is old. He he takes his time getting to know God and waiting for the sun to come. Um, <laughs> like his relationship with God is slowly being built. I know we read it in like a few pages. But yeah. you have to understand that these pages translate to like years. Yeah, of him, yeah. Him getting to know God, and it's true. Those those two first stories with Sarah happened before this story with Isaac. Yeah. Um. And and I think the interesting part is that uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a long there's been a lot of time that has that has passed. You know, by the time that so. Abraham, oh God calls Abram out from his father's house to, to mm-hmm. go to the promised land when he's 75 years old. And by the time he's 99 is when God basically gives right. him uh, the covenant or they make mm-hmm. a covenant that he gives him the promise. So that's, that's like 24 years later. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like I'm going to yeah. take you and I'm going to give you this land. But then yeah. 24 years later is when he makes a covenant, which is, you know, like a really serious kind of relationship promise that he makes mm-hmm. with Abraham. And then many years after that is when we hear uh, of Abraham sacrificing Isaac or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the call to do that. So there's a, there's a lot of time that has gone by. But, yeah, just reading those other stories with Sarah, it's almost like nothing is uh is the same like he 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 just he's afraid that he's gonna die Mm -hmm. um even after receiving the covenant he's afraid that he's gonna be killed um by by these by these kings one of them is the pharaoh and then the other one is this king uh abimelech and it's essentially the same story where he 
fails to really tell the truth about her being his wife because he's afraid they're going to kill him. And so I'm asking, like, why is this happening? And both times, God uh, basically <laughs> makes it impossible for these men to make her their wife. Like he he like he sends a plague to their to their their household. Uh, yeah, God holds up his end, even though Abraham is like scared and yeah, and and weirdo. What yeah. I what I think is interesting about that is because because the the, the God doesn't just give the promise to Abraham. God also gives the promise to Sarah, mm. and and He changes both of their names. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah to be the mother of nations, Abraham being the, the father of nations. They, they, those are both two names that God gives to them. Yeah, and, and there's a promise strictly to her as well. And when God uh, strikes or when God intervenes, the Bible specifically said it was because of Sarah that God intervened and not because of Abraham. Mm. And oh. and I think I think we we often tend to read only the stories about Abraham, but there it's very clear that God is also asserting His covenant or His promise to sarah yeah and he intervenes because of sarah and because of sarah these 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 (laughs) these kings are are have to deal with these curses or these plagues or whatever happens where god shows up for sarah Mm -hmm. and not for abraham Mm -hmm. um and so i think that's also a very interesting thing to look at and i wish i wish that more pastors would preach on these stories of like the women interacting with god and how god acts to you know like in in these instances because i feel like we skip over them so much you know like we we talk about abraham and the bible talks about abraham at great length but sarah has only like a few short like snippets here and there we can do an in-depth all-female episode yeah, I'm just saying in those in those snippets, and I would you know I just want to point that out that it's it's uh, I think it's Sarah that we need to be focusing on and how God is how God is holding up his end of the deal with mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. even when her husband fails to. That's a good point. To do that. That's a good point. And uh, yeah, so we'll probably come back to that, and I have a few ideas on how to how to deal with some of the the female stories because there are a lot of female characters um, that are involved in the story of you know the the nation of Israel and just like Abraham and Isaac and Isaac's wife and Jacob's wives and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I I honestly am, am really interested in hearing. Uh, first of all, I just want to ask the question, like how, uh, specifically for women that that maybe I know, like how is it? Do you experience the, the the do you experience church or do you experience the Bible differently because you're a woman and because the Bible tends to focus more on the men? Does that make you feel left out? Um, mm. And if so, I would like to at least just focus on some of these women and their stories. Uh, within their cultural context, of course, but still like experiencing God in ways that maybe we we don't ever discuss or we never talk about or consider. Mm-hmm. Like we call Abraham the friend of God, and like we're like this is like this is like the pattern for our relationship with God. But no one ever talks about Sarah and her relationship with God and how that's also a pattern for our relationship. Yeah, 
You know what I mean? Yeah, and Jesus' friend too. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I, yeah, it's like, okay, what, what, what's happening here too? You know, like let's let's look at that because the promise was not just to Abraham. It's very clear. So, but yeah, um, I think I think this is this has been the great episode for this. So, cool. yeah, stay tuned for more. <laughs> Bad. I like this story. Yeah, I I, uh, I like it a little bit more than I did, you know, <laughs> an hour ago. Cool. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Thanks. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Adios. Bye. Thanks again for joining us today, guys. This has been uh, quite a journey. Uh, just letting you know, we did do an interview on Instagram Live with uh, a friend who is a the co-host of the Urban Prophets podcast. If you haven't listened, uh, I would highly recommend it to you. It's a little bit different than ours, but it is still... Um, these are two Christian uh, guys that are looking at current events and news and just around us and trying to struggle and trying to figure out how uh, we should um, interact, how we should uh, affect... Uh, our our communities and and what it means on the ground and i think it's been it's been really great listening to them especially the last uh, few episodes so if you haven't the urban prophets podcast uh go and listen and check them out um and i will likely be posting the audio from our ig live interview uh, later on this week additionally i'm looking forward to doing uh different type of episode with uh, some new voices and different voices uh, centering around the women in the, in the Bible, the stories of women in the Bible, which I think are, 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 aren't told enough and really need to be told um, more. Anyway, um, looking forward to that. It's exciting. Uh, hope you guys have a great week. Blessings, friends.